Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The GX on Agriculture podcast is brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Future Ford is your automotive expert. From sales to service, they're the ones you can trust to get rolling again sooner. GX on Agriculture with Rod McDonald. And good afternoon again. It's uh, 14 after 12 after 1 in Manitoba. Coming up today on GX on Agriculture, well, as you've likely heard, the uh, port workers' strike has finally come to an end after almost two weeks. So we'll get some reaction to that first from the Vice President of Marketing and Communications with Pulse Canada. We spoke with Jeff English. Of course, uh, Pulse Canada and its uh, members greatly impacted by the port workers strike because their uh, products are shipped in containers and those containers have not been moving. So it's uh, had huge implications on pulse growers in the country. Also, we spoke with uh, Ray Orb, the president of the Saskatchewan Association of Rural Municipalities, about uh, the port workers strike being over and also the prairie drought situation with several rural municipalities in Saskatchewan have now joined uh, their counterparts in Alberta in declaring agricultural disaster areas. We'll get some more details on that. And still with the drought, I spoke this morning with the president of the Saskatchewan Stock Growers Association, Garner Diebold from Hodgeville. And while they're pleased with the announcement this week from the Saskatchewan Crop Insurance Corporation freeing up some additional feed supplies, they believe more should and could be done to assist livestock producers. So we'll get the details on that when we speak with the uh, Garner Debald on the program today. Also, Adam Puckalo will be along. Adam, a future commodities advisor with PI Financial in Regina, will recap uh, action in the markets this week and perhaps have a look ahead to what we can expect next week. First, though, we'll kick things off with the Agriculture Weather Outlook. It's a presentation of Milligan Bio. Milligan Bio now offers bio meal for your livestock, giving your animals more protein, more energy, and more of what they need. And Sean Prahika, your Remax Blue Chip Ag Division Specialist. Agriculture Outlook with Precision Weather. And it's time now for Precision Weather with meteorologist Phil Spivak, certainly uh, dealing with the smoke Uh, earlier this morning phil and that's kind of been replaced somewhat now by the cloud i'm not sure which which we'd rather have but uh, maybe a combination of both will be the order of the day today i think if the clouds will produce some some significant showers they might be preferred other than that uh, we'll set the air quality aside and say neither one has much impact obviously the smoke impacting the air quality a bit making uh, conditions a little less uh, tolerable for those particularly those susceptible to to breathing issues but for most uh, most folks this is not uh, rising to the level of, of significant concern and especially as things mix a little more with the storm system really churning the air a lot more over the next couple of days yes some smoke is getting pulled into the system but it's also mixing back out it's not settling in it's when it really has a chance to settle in uh, that it becomes an issue 
So we will see some periods of smoke, just as likely as we'll see periods of cloud cover, just as likely, really, as we'll see spotty showers. Next few days featuring this mixture, but not any definitive or decidedly directional uh, trend on that choice. We'll go from one to the other pretty routinely. Through the afternoon, we'll keep a 30% chance in for a shower through the afternoon. The chance is at its greatest. Uh, measurable amounts, when uh, I look at all the different uh, computer models, what they're looking at, looking, seeing what I'm looking at around right now on radar, and uh, amounts should be about as close to zero as you can get. We're not looking for any uh, real significant rainfall from this. For tonight, partly cloudy sky, a little thicker cloud cover to the east, and those spotty showers may fire back up through the night for parts of western Manitoba, but again, uh, the amounts very negligible. Through the day Saturday, the chance of rain at 20%. However, the chance of any of the showers that hold together tomorrow actually being measurable is greater. So we're throwing out a lot of, a lot of numbers, and rather than do that, because we're not talking big numbers here, we'll just say that there's a little better chance for seeing appreciable showers tomorrow afternoon. Uh, don't look for any significant amounts. Uh, 20 degrees the high today, 20 degrees the high tomorrow. In between, we're at 11 overnight tonight. Mainly clear tomorrow night. Any daytime showers that do flare up, uh, thin back out with the cloud cover gone, down to 9 degrees. The wind down as well. It's up during the day today and tomorrow. Gusts upwards of 45 or 50 at times. Spotty showers through midday on Sunday, otherwise partly sunny through the day with a high of 20, mostly sunny Monday up to 22, and Tuesday features a decent start. Showers will develop through the day, and some of the showers this time could be more significant, but they're scattered. The high 21 on Tuesday. All right, thank you, Phil. Now, this hour's temperature roundup, it's 16 degrees in the Paw, along with Roblin and Hudson Bay, 17 in Swan River, Shoal Lake, and Russell. 18 in Brandon, Saskatoon, Broadview, Musselman, and Indian Head. 19 in Regina, along with Dauphin. And 15 is uh, Winyard, Wadena, and Kelvington. In the York and Melville region, well, it's a, kind of a mixture of cloud and smoke. The wind is northwest at 21, up to about 33 kilometers an hour. Relative humidity, 60%. Our temperature holding steady over the past hour at 18 degrees. Yesterday's high and low, 25 and 12. Normals for this period, daytime highs around 24. Overnight lows near 12. No precipitation reported in the 24-hour period ending at midnight last night. Sunrise this morning was at 10 to 5, and the sun will set tonight at 9 o'clock. The warmest place in Saskatchewan yesterday was Esteban, 27. The Saskatchewan cool spot, Kindersley, at 8. In Manitoba, more than the best at 27. The coolest spot in Manitoba yesterday was Churchill at 6 degrees. Once again, currently, you know, clouds, some smoke, and 18. It's coming up on 1224. A quick break, and then we have the Beef and Forage Report coming up next. It's Beef and Forage Report. Saskatchewan Stock Growers Association is calling on the federal and provincial governments to take additional action to assist livestock producers facing ex extreme drought conditions across the province. Stock Growers President Garner Debulb farms near Hodgeville between Swift Current and Moose Jaw. He says since early June, the drought has continued to expand in size and severity. The drought... Uh, for some here, you know, it's just an ongoing thing here for a number of years, and uh, the the area shifts and shapes a little bit different every year. But this year, uh, here in the southwest part of Saskatchewan and sort of up through the central part, 
you know, from the 1st of June on, it, you know, it looked like earlier that things had kind of turned around, but it just has been uh, relentless, I guess. And, and so the, the drought in these areas is extreme and, you know, as bad as it's been the last few years. And for some, you know, this is going on year four or five uh, or even more in a couple of places. So, uh, again, you know, it is uh, regional and, and but again, in a big enough area here, significant part of the province that, uh, you know, they, they just are having a real challenging year. The federal and provincial governments have announced some measures to help livestock producers. Saskatchewan Crop Insurance Corporation announced earlier this week that producers will be allowed to divert additional acres of low-yielding cereal and pulse crops to feed, and eligible lessees could have the 2023 grazing rent reduced by 20 to 50 percent. And we're really thankful for that. I mean, some of those changes can make a difference for some and uh, definitely is a, a good start. And, you know, we, we do thank the uh, the governments for doing that. And, you know, it, it uh, will help some. But uh, again, for others, it, it uh, you know, they're just up against it. And that won't uh, be nearly enough, I guess, and, and won't provide the feed uh, supply that is needed. DeBald says Saskatchewan Stock Growers is submitting an enhanced drought survival proposal to the federal and provincial governments this week, which includes the recommendation for an immediate agro-recovery assessment. Some of them uh, have to do with crop insurance, you know, some things that uh, could be adjusted there, just uh, expediting the assessment and adjustment, uh, you know, making sure that uh, we get, uh, get out into the field quick enough to adjust some of these crops so they can be salvaged uh, for feed. Um, some of the other issues, I guess, has been the, the rainfall uh, forage insurance. Uh, you know, that is something the, the, the coverage had been, uh, had, had really dropped this year. And, and so that is something that they, we would like them to consider to returning to the, the coverage levels of, of 22 would be helpful. Um, also on the, on the cash flow or financial side of things, there are a few things that we're asking for there. Uh, I guess first and foremost, agri-recovery is something that should be considered, you know, implementing that or initiating uh, that so that it, it could uh, possibly free up some dollars for, for the areas that are hardest hit. hit. Um, the agri-stability, advance, ad, advance interim payments on that would, would help. Um, possibly allowing producers to, uh, you know, access some of their agri-invest withdrawals tax-free. Uh, again, I don't think on the cattle side there's great there's a great amount of money there, but it definitely would help some. Uh, also extending the, the Crown Grazing Lease Rental Reduction Program, you know, that's something even looking forward into 2024 that would be helpful. And then also extending, uh, you know, some of the, the payment repayments on, on some of the farm credit loans and lines of credit, uh, you know, the, the SEBA loans that are coming due here this fall, possibly just turning those over again, you know, extending that and, and you know, not forgiving them in any way, but uh, just giving some extension on that side of it. And then also on the, the farm and ranch water infrastructure program, again, you know, just in going back to 2021, the, the year of the real bad drought here, uh, the cost share had, had increased there to 75%, and that's something that we'd like to see return to that again, uh, possibly decreasing the gross farm uh, income uh, requirements there to $10,000. Uh, you know, it would help our, our smaller producers and 
you know, the people that uh, maybe don't have the numbers or the net income that uh, to reach those levels, it definitely would fit them again. Well, and and the the FurWhip program is something I think it it, it provides some long-lasting investments and and you know for anyone that is uh, has taken advantage of that program it it sure helps drought uh, proof you know operations if they you know do have some water projects here that they can develop and and so any of those things that uh, that we can enhance on the FurWhip side is very uh, very much appreciated. Debald says the Stock Growers Association believes that governments can and will do better to meet the progressive needs of drought-affected livestock producers in Saskatchewan. And they always have uh, stepped up. Sometimes it, it hasn't been in a timely manner, but the last few uh, times that we've uh, been in this situation here, they definitely have stepped up and, and have been of great assistance uh, on the provincial side for sure. Um, you know, so those those things that uh, you know, even starting out with the with the adjustment here or the uh, the yeah the adjustment that they made on the crop insurance side here, the announcement that they made, uh, you know, that was. Uh, really was in a timely fa- fashion so um, you know I think we can work together with them and, and really do look forward to uh, you know coming up with some solutions here that uh, that will help some of these uh, drought affected uh, producers. Garner Debalt is president of the Saskatchewan Stock Growers Association. Well it's a little after 12:30 now 1:30 in Manitoba and it's time for AgriView. AgriView brought to you by New Era Ag Technologies in Swan River. Future Ford has been serving the Melville area for over 30 years. They focus on the future. Their staff are ready for what's to come. Ford Tech is changing all the time with new vehicle technology like EV, self-driving, and more. Get ready to drive into the future. Why? Because the future is Future Ford. GX94, AgriView. Governments are being urged to help as drought conditions continue in parts of Saskatchewan, a handful of RMs in the province have declared agricultural disaster areas as a result of the drought and are calling on the province and Ottawa to provide disaster relief to farmers and ranchers. The BC Maritime Employers Association says work has officially resumed at BC ports after a 13-day strike halted shipments comes after about 7,400 longshore workers and their employers at more than 30 ports along the B.C. coast reached a tentative deal yesterday. The four-year pact is subject to ratification by members of both the union and the maritime employers. Manitoba's Keystone Agricultural Producers and Manitoba Pork are applauding the tentative agreement ending the B.C. port workers' strike, but at the same time, they're calling for measures to prevent future disruptions to critical exports. CAP General Manager Brenna Mahoney says while the West Coast ports were shuttered for 13 days, the disruption to food and agriculture supply chains will last for months longer, costing farmers and processors millions. Mahoney says damage to Canada's reputation as a reliable supplier will also last years and cannot be allowed to happen again. Manitoba's hog sector was especially hard hit during the disruption, given the volume and time sensitivity of pork shipments. Both CAP and Manitoba Pork are calling on the federal government to rapidly develop a recovery plan to limit ongoing supply chain disruptions with priority needs to be given to high value and perishable products. 
In addition, CAP and Manitoba Pork are calling on the Port Workers Union and the Employers Association to develop a new approach to resolving contract disputes that will preclude the potential for complete shutdowns of West Coast shipments. A total of eight cases of bovine TB have now been confirmed from a Saskatchewan cattle herd. The Canadian Food Inspection Agency reported last month that tissues from a heifer originating from Saskatchewan were confirmed positive for TB in a PCR test at slaughter in the U.S. in February. Post-mortem testing of the herd yielded five more cases. The CFIA says as of July 12th, a total of eight cases of bovine TB have been confirmed from the herd. The agency also says it has now ruled out, or has now ruled rather, that the initial heifer which tested positive in the U.S. had not spent time on any other farm in Canada. A new report detailing reported cases involving agricultural confined spaces in 2022 has been released by Purdue University in the U.S. The study found a 40% increase in the number of reported cases involving agricultural confined spaces from 2021 to 2022. Of 83 reported cases, 24 were fatal. The 83 cases in 2022 included 42 grain entrapments and four falls into or from grain storage structures. The 42 grain-related entrapments represents an almost 45% increase from 2021, the highest number of reported grain entrapments in over a decade. Canadian agricultural injury data indicates there's an average of four fatalities due to grain entrapment every year in Canada. Grain entrapment incidents happen in grain bins, trucks, wagons, rail cars, and grain piles. And one more thing, some positive movement in the grain markets this week. Future Commodity Advisor with PI Financial in Regina, Adam Puckalo, says the ICE Future Canola contract for November was up about $53 a ton for the week, pushing the price up to about $814 a metric ton. He says this is an increase of approximately $200 since the May 31st low of $611. For Minneapolis wheat, Puckalo says the September contract is up 30 cents a bushel to around 8.75 this week. A few things this week that I've been watching. Uh, the first is for all commodity markets how the US dollar has dropped to a 15 month low. So that's a very important for not only the stock market, but also commodity markets as well, too. So that's going to be fairly supportive kind of overall here for markets and a bit of more of a risk on kind of mentality for everything. So uh, talking on the wheat side of things, it seems that there is a bit of a technical turn on the charts. Uh, higher is what actually the bulls kind of need. I'm seeing that, you know, we could have a little bit more upside here in, in kind of the wheat markets and definitely talking about uh, hedging some new crop with clients kind of uh, on using most likely the Kansas contract using options as really the Minneapolis doesn't uh, have options that are that, that liquid, but uh, you can use the futures if, uh, if that suits the client's risk tolerance. 
The Bank of Canada bumped up interest rates again this week. We asked Puckalo about the ramifications of that. When central banks, so the Bank of Canada, the U.S. Federal Reserve, raise interest rates, that is typically a positive sign for the currency. So we actually did see the Canadian dollar go up as well too this week. The September futures kind of hitting a high of about uh, 76.50 yesterday. So uh, that's a pretty, pretty nice move for the Canadian dollar. That's definitely, I would say, one thing I'm talking to clients about too is, is their borrowing costs. And now with this, the, the prime rate increased to, to 5%, how is that affecting their loans? Um, I have a network of professionals that I work with to actually help clients uh, potentially consolidate loans or even you know, get a better rate on some of the other ones. So talking on the Canadian dollar as well too here, the oil prices have gone quite a bit higher as well in recent weeks. So since uh, June 28th, we've increased about $8 a barrel, and that has kind of been another positive factor for for the Canadian dollar here recently. Adam Puckalo is a future commodities advisor with PI Financial in Regina. It's coming up on 20 to 1, 20 to 2 in Manitoba, and we'll check on the closing uh, U.S. livestock futures coming up next. Livestock market conditions. Here are today's closing U.S. livestock futures. August live cattle, 180.17, up 327 today. October live cattle closed at 182.62, up 252. August feeder cattle also closing up today at 246.65, 100 weight, up $1.65. September feeder cattle, 249.22, up $1.90. August lean hogs closed today at 96.20, down 30 cents. And October lean hogs, 83.60, up 25 cents. And those are today's closing U.S. livestock futures. We have the closing grain prices coming up in about eight minutes from now at 10 to 1, 10 to 2 in Manitoba. 18 degrees right now, kind of a mix of cloud and smoke in the Yorkton-Melville region. We'll check weather details coming up at 1 o'clock this afternoon. The big story yesterday was the end of the 13-day strike by port workers in B.C. Numerous agricultural organizations had expressed frustration with the prolonged strike, including Pulse Canada. We spoke with Jeff English Vice President of Marketing and Communications with Pulse Canada. From a, an agricultural perspective, you know, our hope would always be to see these things worked out well in advance of, of getting to this point. Um, the reality is, is that the, the government has tools at its disposal and, you know, we've encouraged them throughout this process to, to be stringent and strident and, and make sure that they're putting the best possible options forward and getting folks to, to sit down at the table and, and come to a conclusion. So, two-week process, certainly not ideal, and obviously the focus now turns to how long it will take to clear the backlog that's been created by containers sitting idle and rail slow uh, service slowing down to in and out of the port. English thinks it's going to take months to clear up the backlog. The numbers that are thrown around by, by rail providers and shippers seem to be about a week for every day that, uh, you know, between five to seven days for every day that, that the port sat idle. So we'd be looking at, I guess, the you know, 12, 13 weeks which, of course, will take us right into that busy harvest period. Well, right through harvest and a, and a very busy time, you know, I mean, uh, I represent the pulse industry. One-third of Canadian pulses are exported via shipping container. 
a great deal of through them uh, through the terminals at the west coast. And obviously, as we hit harvest, it becomes uh, you know our big one of our busiest shipping seasons of, of the year. So you know our concern throughout this process has always been if we as a country are not able to meet demand when times are slow, what capacity will our customers have confidence in our capacity to be able to meet demand when, when times are moving quickly. So it comes at what we would say one of the worst possible times. You know, we're, we're obviously happy to see an agreement reached and goods moving, but it, it's going to be a, a long slog to get things back up to what we would consider normal. English says strikes like the one just witnessed at the BC ports certainly causes our country's reputation as a reliable shipper to take a beating. It's not just economic, it's reputational. So as I mentioned, does your customer who's looking, you know, booking weeks, months in advance, have confidence in your ability to meet deadlines? And time and time again, unfortunately, from a Canadian perspective, you know, our farmers have proven they have the product that, that folks want around the world in terms of quality and consistency. And we just infrastructure wise are unable to meet that, uh, that meet that demand when it comes to getting those crops to market. So these, these uh, self-inflicted wounds, if you want to call them that, start to add up. And, and from a perspective of our you know, member companies and, and exporters and importers from countries around the world, you, know, you can only not meet those obligations so many times before they start looking elsewhere. And once those relationships are, are broken or severed, they can take uh, quite a long time to come back. Some groups have floated the idea of deeming port workers an essential service so they wouldn't be able to go on strike. English says that's not their preference. Our preference in these issues has always been to let the parties negotiate and, and come to an agreement without without taking that, that kind of blunt instrument to it. Obviously, you know, there are essential services in this country and it's for the government of the day to decide whether or not that's that's in the in in the interest of Canadians. You know, we would point to the the need the, the need for collective bargaining is something that that uh, you know, this government has, has stipulated and I think is what was one of the rationale for why perhaps it waited as long as it did to, uh, to get, these, uh, get in front of a mediator, get these parties back to work. Our focus now turns to what is the next contract that's expired or about to expire and who is it impacting? Will it be on rail? Will it be at ports? You know, the government will have a list of this. We, we have a list of these and are actively talking to them. What are we doing proactively to ensure that we don't end up in this position again? Uh, you know, whether it's whether it's at the port of Vancouver or the port of Montreal or or on rail lines across the country. You know, what kind of role can the government play proactively in getting getting parties to sit down and work out these deals so that the Canadian economy doesn't come to a standstill every time a, a negotiation like this uh, like this kind of enters into some sort of disagreement? Jeff English is the Vice President of Marketing and Communications with Pulse Canada. Various business and government organizations are breathing a sigh of relief now that a tentative agreement has been reached. Ray Orb is the President of the Saskatchewan Association of Rural Municipalities. He welcomed the news. Yeah, you know, it's definitely something, you know, we've been following right from right from the start, of course, uh, every time there is a strike in Vancouver, you know, it hurts the Saskatchewan farmers, you know, it hurts, uh, hurts the producers that are that are trying to move their grain, you know, and trying to trying to get uh, funding to pay their bills and things of that nature. But also all the other industries that we have, you know, rural Saskatchewan, we've got forestry, you know, we've got, we've got a lot of lumber that's shipped out. We've got a lot of potash, you know, those mines. 
they're all located in in rural Saskatchewan. And so when we get that backlog, you know what? It affects a lot of industries and it affects our RMs, but also the residents of the province. And so we're we're pleased that uh, that uh, it appears that they will be going back to work. Uh, although we would have thought it would have happened a, a bit sooner, but nevertheless, we are pleased that it's uh, been ended. We also discussed the prairie drought situation with Orb. He says it has widespread implications. Orb notes several rural municipality, municipalities excuse me, in Saskatchewan have declared agriculture disaster areas. We've been hearing from some of the RMs so far. As far as we know, we only know of three rural municipalities in Saskatchewan that declared disaster due to the drought situation, and that's the arm of Dundurn arm of Old Post, and the arm of Arlington. Now, uh, I've been told uh, by um, by uh, Mr. Grant, who is our SARM director, and he actually lives in the Val Marie area, that uh, he thinks there'll be other RMs uh, coming uh, online as far as declaring drought emergencies fairly soon. And some of that, you know, the precipitation in some of the RMs, not all down in the southwest especially, uh, they've had some sporadic uh, kind of moisture, so they might have uh, perhaps only a portion of their RM that's a disaster. And uh, other places have had a bit of rain. So it's a little bit difficult right now for some of those RMs to declare disaster. But um, as time progresses, you know what, we're uh, we're in mid-July pretty much uh, right now, and uh, I'm thinking next week we're going to be hearing uh, some more. So the, the immediate um, importance, I think, is uh, the livestock sector. You know, of course, uh, we know that uh, many of the producers there are, are considering, and some have already, you know, put their livestock herds up for sale. And that means, uh, you know, some of them uh, selling cow, calf pairs. Um, and I will, um, you know, deplete their inventory on their, on their ranches for sure. But uh, the supply of water is diminishing. Uh, Hay is basically non-existent in some of those areas. As pasture, the grass has really dried up because they didn't have uh, really basically any rain since since the snow melted, and so uh, it's uh, getting more crucial as day goes every day goes by. SARM President Ray Orb he says the SARM executive has been invited to a meeting with the Saskatchewan Cattlemen's Association and the Saskatchewan Stock Growers to discuss the drought situation and what more needs to be done. Well, it's coming up on 10 to 1, 10 to 2 in Manitoba, and we have the closing grain prices coming up next. Commodities Update. November canola closed up again today at 820.80 a metric ton, up 640 from yesterday's close. January canola, 814.50, up $1.60. September, Minneapolis wheat, 884 and a quarter, up 22 and a half cents. September Kansas City wheat, 829 a bushel, up 23 cents. September Chicago wheat closed at 661 and a half, up 21 and three quarters. September corn, 506 and a half a bushel, up 13 cents. August soybeans, 1480 and a quarter, down four and a half cents. Oak futures also uh, down at the close today to 404 and a half a bushel, down two and a half cents from yesterday's close. And those are today's closing grain prices. And we have the Farm Bulletin Board coming up next. Before we get to that, an incentive is being offered to Canadian dairy farmers looking to make their operations greener. 
Farm Credit Canada is offering up to $2,000 through its Sustainability Incentive Program. FCC's Director of Lending Products and Sustainability Programs, Curtis Granger, says FCC customers are eligible when it starts this September, adding there are two ways to apply. So the first option is really um, is really in a partnership with Dairy Farmers of Canada and Lactinet. Um, Lactinet's a farmer-run organization that provides a variety of services for uh, dairy producers. So for our Lactinet customers, the criteria is based on the Herd Sustainability Index in combination with the ProAction Program's environmental questionnaire results. So if the producer can, um, once they kind of look into the criteria, if they are meeting that criteria, they can apply. And then, you know, we do kind of the background work and, and make sure everything is verified on the on the administration side. And then the producer would re- receive an incentive. The option number two would be for our um, our customers who are, you know, they don't use Lactinet services, which, um, you know, when creating a sustainability incentive program, it's really important that the program is available for all potential producers to um, participate in. So with the second option, there's going to be kind of four sustainability indicators that are meant to kind of mirror this herd sustainability index on the Lactinet side. Um, and then it has a combination of the ProAction environmental questionnaire results as well. So kind of it, it's available to all producers, but they do have to meet the criteria for the program in order to be eligible. Full details on how to apply and where will be released in the fall. The incentive payment appears to be rather paltry, but Granger says you have to start somewhere. It's really important to us to kind of make all of our programming relatively um, consistent from an incentive payment standpoint. And we are, you know, still in the early days. So this is for sure a starting point with us to kind of, you know, try and figure out what that right size amount is. So the the dairy incentive program is exactly consistent with their other programming. Um, So that would be our partnerships with like the Canadian Roundtable for Sustainable Beef um, or McCain Foods. So um, it was really important for us to kind of keep that incentive consistent. David Weens is the new president of the Dairy Farmers of Canada. He says this partnership helps advance their goal of net zero greenhouse gas emissions from on-farm dairy production by 2050. While Canada's dairy industry has one of the lowest carbon footprints for dairy in the world, at less than half the global average, Weens believes they continue to build off that progress. The carbon footprint from uh, 1990 until uh, 2020 has been reduced by 25%. And so that's pretty significant. You know, we want to look at it on a per liter basis. And a lot of this has been, you know, trying to drive further efficiencies on the farm. And so uh, there are other areas in which, you know, as more information becomes available, there's other things that we can pursue in terms of helping to reduce that carbon footprint. So it's not going to be just one area. I mean, a lot has happened because of increased uh, efficiencies and, you know, a lot more milk from from fewer cows and so on. But we will continue to pursue uh, areas that uh, in terms of, you know, it, it may be along the line of regenerative agriculture, you know, it could be best management practice in terms of crop production. And so there, there, there really is uh, quite a list there of the things that we could do, but there's also research that's happening that will help us to fur- you know, further inform us in terms of what some uh, possible actions could be. So, so we are on it, and yes, we have made a re- major reduction. We are about half of world average, and yet we firmly believe that we can, uh, we can continue to uh, build on that success and continue to reduce it.
And Wien says this incentive could be used to find even greater efficiencies on the farm. You know, there there's so many different ways in which we can uh, can help to reduce the carbon footprint. And so, you know, on different farms, there's there's different possibilities. So one of the things that DFC has done is, you know, just kind of created a pathway or, you know, kind of a chart where, you know, farmers can look at some of the, the best management practices that they could embrace on the farm, maybe are already. Uh, but look at certain areas where they think, yeah, you know, maybe there's something that we could do in this area. Because the way we're approaching this is that uh, together, uh, you know, we can accomplish that goal. David Weens is president of the Dairy Farmers of Canada. The collaboration announcement was made at the Dairy Farmers Annual General Meeting held in Winnipeg. Farm Bulletin Board. Just a couple of items on the bulletin board today. Don't forget, Ag in Motion coming up next week. It goes Tuesday through third, uh, Thursday rather, at the Discovery Farm, which is located near Langham, just a short drive northwest of Saskatoon, right along Highway 16. And what are they up to? Seventh year, I believe, seventh year for uh, Ag in Motion. If you've been there before, you know they have a little bit of everything from crop plots to equipment demonstrations, all sorts of exhibits. It's a it's a great show. So if by all means, if you have an, have an opportunity to attend, do it. Ag in Motion, July 18th through the 20th. Our own Doug Falconer will be there and uh, doing GX on Agriculture Live from Ag in Motion next week. So listen for that. Also coming up next week, next Thursday, Suncrest College and uh, the East Central Research Foundation having their annual Yorkton crop plot tour. Uh, again, it's Thursday. Gets underway with registration at 8.30 in the morning. The actual tour begins at 9. They'll wrap up around noon with a barbecue lunch. Now, they do need to get some idea of the numbers that will be, uh, attend so they can have enough food for lunch, among other things. If you'd like to attend the Yorkton Crop Plot Tour at the East Central Research Foundation Farm, contact Mike Hall at 621-6032, or you can email contact at ecrf.ca. Again, that's coming up on Thursday, the Suncrest College East Central Research Foundation Yorkton Crop Plot Tour. And that's just about our time for GX on Agriculture today. We'll close it out with our GX on Agriculture weather forecast for the Quill Lakes, Hudson Bay, Swan River, Broadview, Mooseman, Indian Head, Yorkton, Melville, Roblin, and Russell regions. Partly sunny this afternoon, 30% chance of spotty showers and areas of smoke. Wind northwest 25 to 40 with gusts higher at times, high 20. Partly cloudy tonight, wind westerly 15 to 25, low 11. A mix of sun and cloud tomorrow. 20% chance of spotty showers. Wind northwest increasing to 20 to uh, 25 to 45 in the afternoon. Daytime high tomorrow, 20. Partly sunny Sunday, high again near 20. Mainly sunny Monday, up to 22. Then partly sunny on Tuesday, 60% chance of developing showers and we'll shoot for a high around 21 on Tuesday. On this hour's uh, temperature roundup now, 16 degrees in Hudson Bay and the Paw, 17 in Shoal Lake, Russell, and Swan River. At 18, Brandon, Saskatoon, Broadview, Mooseman, and Indian Head. It's 19 in Dauphin and Regina, and 15 in Winyard, Wadena, and Kelvington. In the York and Melville region, well, some smoke, some cloud, it's breezy, northwest 20 up to about 35. 
Relative humidity 60% and our temperature is 18 degrees. That's it for today. Doug Falconer is back uh, next week, so join Doug 1215-115 in Manitoba on Monday afternoon for GX on Agriculture. I'm Rod McDonald. It's time now for the GX94 News and Sports Headlines. The GX on Agriculture podcast has been brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Future Ford is your automotive expert. From sales to service, they're the ones you can trust to get rolling again sooner.